When I was a boy, I went to church back home in Arizona. And that is where I heard the tale of a man whose name was Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet, but that's not why he's remembered. We tell the tale, cause in a whale, he nearly was dismembered. Good morning, everybody. We get to spend the next five weeks looking at the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. How many of you guys have read the story or know of the story? Right? If, if you were to ask people on the street and you said, tell me something about the story of Jonah in the Bible, chances are they would tell you, well, isn't that the story of the guy who was swallowed by a fish? And you would be like, well, yeah, that happened in the story, but the whale or the giant fish only appears in two sentences in the entire book. And so... If that's what the story is about, it's, it's really strange that it would only be mentioned twice. So there's so much more there. And when you look at this story in the Bible, there are some unique features about the book, unique features about Jonah, that really, as you study Scripture and you come across things that are like strange and really peculiar and unique, that's a sign that you should pay attention that you should really pause for a moment because there's more there than actually meets the eye. There's more to this story than a prophet swallowed by a whale. A lot more. And that's what we hope to uncover these next five weeks. Uh, before we start, I'd ask if you would pray with me as we begin. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. And we come before you and we run toward you this morning and I ask that you would give us courage not to run away from you after we hear your word, that you would plant our feet solid, that you would give us courage to hear your word, and then you would give us the gumption to obey it. Father, I pray this morning for all that are gathered, that the words that I'm about to speak, that you would guard those words, that the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, my rock, my redeemer. Father, speak to us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So these next five weeks, counting today, we're going to spend those, that time in the book of Jonah, of which there are four chapters. So today is an intro week. We're going to sort of set the groundwork, kind of get a little context, try to understand the question of why is this book in the Bible, and really what is it about, and how does it intersect with my life, or my life intersect with this book, and hopefully we can do that throughout this series and so the next four weeks, starting next week, we will spend a weekend in every chapter. So next week is chapter one, then chapter two, three, and four. And our hope is that by the end of this five-week time frame, you'll have a much better understanding of Jonah and therefore have a much better understanding of God and his mercy and how God sees you in light of how we see Jonah. We get a really good picture and so one of the things about this story, have you guys ever seen the movie Predator? No? No one? Like, come on, seriously. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's like, like, I can't say he's one of my favorite actors, but I love his movies. 
And uh, the, the movie is a story about these military, uh, these guys that are like special forces, and they're going to South America to actually hunt down what they come to find out is an alien warrior. And, and it's a story where the hunters become the hunted, right? They think they're the ones that are going to hunt, and they turn out they're the ones being hunted. When we go through the book of Jonah, it's like we're hunting for meaning and understanding, only to find out as we get to the end of the story, if we study it well, we were the ones being hunted in this story. Our hope is that by the end of this story, by the end of this series, you'll understand that this story is really about you as much as it is about Jonah. And so we want to dig into that today. We want to begin to kind of help us understand how we get there, how we get to this place. Some background on Jonah. You heard it read earlier. The place in the Old Testament before the book of Jonah where we uncover Jonah's name is in the book of 2 Kings, and we're told that he's a prophet to King Jeroboam II. And he's prophesying to King Jeroboam, an evil king of the northern kingdom of Israel. It is his namesake, King Jeroboam I, that led ten tribes of Israel to leave the other two tribes and to form its own nation. That was Jeroboam, and we're told that he did what was evil in God's sight. He set up several temples, and he put golden idols in those temples and encouraged the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, to worship those golden idols. And we're told he did what was evil in God's sight. And now Jeroboam II, who's come on the scene several years later, we're told he's even worse than Jeroboam I. And you read in that text that he ruled for 41 years. And as a part of those 41 years, he had a prophet named Jonah who came and told him what God told him to say, and that is, your territory will expand. That seems sort of strange, doesn't it? As you think about it, typically in the Old Testament, a prophet comes to a king and tells them where they're transgressing God's law. Prophets come to get the attention of the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And when they are transgressing God's will for their life, the prophet comes and says, Woe to you. God has seen what you are doing, and it is headed to destruction. You need to repent and follow the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. But here is Jeroboam II, who's doing what's evil in God's sight, and God sends Jonah to Jeroboam II and says, Tell him his kingdom will expand. That's Jonah. Jonah is the prophet in the Old Testament that actually gets to go to the king and says, there's good news. All of the other prophets really are talking about bad news. They tell them some good news, that there's still hope, but they're talking about the bad news, and a lot of those prophets were persecuted and killed for saying something to the king that the king didn't want to hear. But Jonah's the guy picked to go and tell him good news. That's sort of strange you're an ancient Hebrew reading this text. Jonah has a, a little bit of a different place in history in the Jewish people as a prophet. Prophets were those that were called by God to go and speak on his behalf. They were messengers of God to speak exactly what God said to, to the people that God sent them to when God sent them. They were messengers of God. That was their role in life. That was what they were called to do. And Jonah 
is a prophet. And we see that in 2 Kings. But we also see that in the opening lines of Jonah, the book itself. Now, when we open this book, I want to draw your attention to a few things that kind of stick out when you study it, when you start to like dig into some of the scholarly advice and some of the commentaries and kind of look at some other texts in the scriptures, and you start to see some things that really, if, you're, if your eyes are, are tuned to it, you're like, well, that's weird, and that's funny, and that's really ironic when you, when you read it. And we see some of those things in these first two verses. We see that Jonah's a prophet because it says, the word of the Lord came to. If you didn't know anything else, you didn't know he existed in 2 Kings and he was called a prophet. When you read that line right away, it says he's a prophet. Because you go to the next chapter, you go to the next book, which is Micah, starts off the same way. The word of the Lord came to Micah. Or the word of the Lord came to Amos or Hosea. Or Isaiah was brought into the presence of God and this is the dream that he had. And Daniel had dreams and Ezekiel was given words of the Lord and they spoke exactly what God told them to speak. That was what a prophet did. But we know from the story of Jonah, if you've read it, just a little plot spoiler, that he didn't do that. He didn't do what God asked him to do. And so we see from Jonah, his name in Hebrew means dove. And when you think about Jonah as a dove, and you know the story of Jonah, you're like, well, maybe he's more like a raven or a crow or, or a hawk than a dove. Which is sort of ironic that Jonah's name would be dove. And he is the son of Amittai. Amittai in Hebrew means faithful one which if you know the story of Jonah, should be funny, right? Jonah, the dove, son of faithful one, and you're like, Jonah? That's ironic. That's hysterical. That, that's how he's spoken of. Because he didn't do what God asked him to do. The one thing he was called to do, he refused to do. And we told that he went was called to go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And that should not be a surprise to Jonah, because Assyria was evil. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Nineveh, that capital city, Gath Hefer is where Jonah is from. He's called to go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is the, is the most powerful nation in the world in that time. Think of the United States of America, considered to be the most powerful nation in the world today, and its capital city, Washington, D.C. That's kind of where Jonah's been called to go, into the middle of that city, and to stand up in the middle of that city, a feared nation, a cruel nation, when they would conquer nations, they would skin alive the leaders and parade them in front of the captives before they took everybody captive. They were known for the atrocities when they would conquer people. They were a horrible, evil people. That's where God's sending Jonah. And he's saying to him, go there. And Jonah says, nope, not doing it. I am not doing it. And said, so he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, jumped on a boat, paid the fare to go to Tarshish. To flee from the Lord. Now that should be funny. If you understand Scripture, if you understand it, you're going, seriously, Jonah, the dove, 
son of faithful one, a prophet, tries to flee from God. Right away, you should say, oh, that's just hysterical. It's the only time in Scripture that a prophet of God ignores his call and does not do what God tells him to do. And if you're reading your Scriptures and you're going, wait a minute, did he not read the Psalms? Did he not read David's Psalm 139 where David said, Lord, where can I go that you cannot find me? I can go to the far side of the world and there you'll find me no matter how far down I go or up high I go. You are there. Before I even think about going there, you know the thoughts that are on my mind. Jonah knew that. And he's like a two-year-old. You can't see me. I'm going to get from your sight, and you're not going to know where I'm going and send somebody else. And you're going, this is a, this is a strange prophet. And what, like, why is his story in Scripture at all? But you can understand, maybe, can't you, from Jonah's perspective, like, maybe I don't want to go there. I mean, that's a dangerous place. But Jonah decides, rather than go 550 miles from Gath Heifer straight to Nineveh, he's going to go in the other direction. And as a result, the storm comes up, and he's thrown overboard, and he's swallowed up by a giant fish. And after three days, he's spit out onto the the sand, and God tells him again to go, and he decides he's going to go. But in the meantime, he heads off. His plan is to go 2,500 miles in the other direction rather than go the 550 miles God's calling him to go. And you look at him and you're going, why? Like, why would a prophet of the Lord do such a thing? And you might come to the conclusion, well, I mean, would you want to go? Right, would you want to go to Nineveh? I, I, I mean, it's a dangerous place. It's a, an immense place. And, and you want me not just to like send him a letter or stand outside with a bullhorn, but you actually want me to go to Nineveh and speak to the king. Think about today. I want you to go to speak to Kim Jong-un and stand in his presence and tell him that you're going to be destroyed because the Lord our God is fed up with you. Or maybe better yet, go to Tehran and do that. Kind of a risky proposition, don't you think? Maybe you can understand, well, that kind of makes sense why he wouldn't want to go there. But that's not what he said kept him from going there. See, where the story continues that most children's books end, you know, it's like God comes, Jonah goes, and he says this little eight-word sermon to the, to the people at Nineveh, and he says, 40 more days, and you shall be destroyed. He turns around, and he walks out of the city, and what happens? They repent, and they worship God. It worked. And how do you think Jonah felt? He was ticked. In fact, at the beginning of chapter 4, it's what he says. He says, I knew you would do that. That is why I didn't want to go. It wasn't that he was afraid. He knew that God would forgive them, and he was compassionate and slow to anger. And if I went and I preached what you told me to preach, and they relented, you'd forgive them. And that's exactly why I didn't want to go, because I knew what you would do. And that is the last thing they deserve. You've seen what they do to other people. You've heard what Amos said the prophet who said it would be Assyria that would capture these people and carry us off in exile, and I am not 
I was not going to be your prophet for that. I knew that's what you would do. That's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because he hated the Assyrians. And he did not want to see God have mercy on them. That was not what Jonah wanted. And so he decided to run from God. Because he didn't like God's plans. They didn't match with his plans. We see that in the New Testament. When Jesus has come, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law see and hear what Jesus is preaching, and they have the same reaction. We're going to kill him. Because that's not what we want to see happen. What we want to see happen is for the Messiah to come and kill the Romans, the new persecutor of Israel. God should come, and he should wipe them out, and we shall expand our borders, and we shall be in power. But that's not what Jesus preached. And so the Pharisees plotted to kill him, and they come to him one day and they say, Teacher, give us a sign that you are the Messiah. Now, he'd already given them sign after sign after sign. He'd raised the dead. He'd healed the lepers. He had cast out mute demons, which when you read the text, you find out that's never happened before. And you see things that only the Messiah could do. He'd given them sign after sign after sign. And guess what? They didn't want a sign. They weren't interested in a sign. And that's exactly what Jesus tells them. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given. I'm not doing it. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What is he talking about? He continues to say, he says, for as Jonah was three days and nights, three days and nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I'm not giving you a sign because you don't want a sign. I've given you plenty of signs, and you don't believe them. But I will give you a sign because I will, I will die, and I will spend three days, three nights in the belly of the earth. But yet I will be raised to new life. That will be your sign. And guess what? You won't believe that one either because you're not looking for a sign. What you want is what you want. You want your plans fulfilled you want your desires met. And God is saying, I have other plans. Did the Assyrians deserve to be killed, destroyed? Absolutely. From our perspective, absolutely. They were horrible people. They did horrible things. But God had other plans. And that didn't sit well with Jonah. Were the Romans harsh? Did they mistreat the Israelites? Absolutely they did. Were there good reasons to want to be out from underneath the yoke of the Romans? Absolutely there was, but God had other plans. God had a different way. And he's saying to them, as he says to us, he says, you don't want a sign. He goes on to say, he says, the people of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now someone greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise as the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth just to listen to Solomon. 
and his wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. And you're not listening to him. You don't want a sign. You just want to keep going the way you're going, and you want God to bless it. But God has a different way for you to go. God is calling you to Nineveh, to where he's calling you to go. And he knows your thoughts, and he knows your paths, and he knows your plans, and he knows that competes with them. But he's saying someone greater than Moses, someone greater than David, someone greater than Solomon, someone greater than Jonah, someone greater than your mama, someone greater than your financial planner, someone greater than your teacher, your Sunday school preacher, or your Sunday Sunday preacher is here, and you're not listening to him. You don't want a sign. You want him to bless what you're doing. And we find out at the end of this story, as we come to it, it's like, so he's been hunting me all along because this is my story. For most of my life, I ran from God. I, I had plans. I was headed to Tarshish. For 20 years, I went in the opposite direction, believing where I was headed was the right way, only to find myself in the belly of a whale. And God is faithful, and he is patient, as he was patient with the children of Israel, delaying their captivity to Assyria, having mercy upon them, and sending more prophets to encourage them to repent, but they wouldn't listen. And so they end up in captivity. I wouldn't listen, and I end up in a world of hurt and mess. But he's patient, and he's kind, and he's faithful, but he is also just. Years later, Assyria did atrocities, and God took judgment upon them, and they were defeated by the Babylonians. God is just. A time will come. He talks about there will be judgment. But right now is a time where God is saying, I want you to go to Nineveh. I have plans for your life. Stop running from your life. Stop thinking you can hide from me. Stop thinking that you know better. One of the things we could take from Jonah is we need to be honest. Jonah's honest. He's a fool, but he's honest. Because he says to God exactly what's on his heart. I knew this is what you do. I'm so mad at you. Just kill me now. I wish I were dead. I know, God, you want me to do this. I know you want me to forgive this person. I know you. And if I do, then they're going to think I'm weak, and they're going to think they've won, and that's the last thing they deserve. Or what about this group of people over here? We all know that they're not doing what God wants them to do. And you want me to go and you want me to pray for them and, and to encourage them and tell them that God loves them? And Jesus is saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Not just you. To you, we're an enemy of God at one point, and God died for you. Do we forget that? That's what Jonah forgot. He thought he was better than. The Pharisees thought they were better than. And the only one better than was Jesus, and he died for everyone. And he says to us, I know your plans. I know you, I know you have things to do, but I have a life for you to live. I have plans for you, says the Lord. 
I have a life for you. Stop running from your life. And so what I want you to consider over these next four weeks is I want you to ask these questions. What's my Nineveh? What is it I keep running from? Or maybe better yet, who's my Nineveh? Who am I running from? That God is tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you really need to go and talk to them. You really must forgive them. And you keep running in the opposite direction. Thinking that you can outrun God. Thinking that you know better. For these next four weeks, I pray that God continues to reveal that in your life. You know, we continue to run from God. The good thing today is that when I run from him, I don't get too far. I don't get as far as I used to get. And he reminds me that he's still with me, that he's not forsaken me, but that he's got plans for me. And he reminds me that he died for me. And I need not take that for granted. I need not forget that. So for these next four weeks, come back. It's going to be hard. It, it probably will be painful. But we like the pain around here. That's why we run marathons and do stupid stuff like that. We like the pain. Lean into the pain. Because God says, I have a life for you. And when you look back, you're going to find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be. Doing things you never thought you'd do. Come back next week. Don't run away. Would you pray with me?